When you think about it, um, it's the last Sunday I'll get to to spend at home and to spend in our home church, and it's kind of it's been a ride. Uh, like Mike said, I felt that when I was 13, I was called to preach, and you know I've been kind of sitting under Mike the last few years and just really um, growing with him and with the Lord. And so, uh, with that being said, if you got your Bible, turn to James. Four eight. James four eight says, "Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded." See, if we break this verse down, we realize that there's a promise in this verse. Who here in the church gets excited about God's promises? Can we have an Amen, church? But there's also a process. See, as a church, we like to get excited about the promises of God and what he has to offer, but we don't want to go through the process to get to him. We want God to be with us all the time, 24-7, but we don't want to reach out to him at all. We want God to be there when we need him, and we don't want him there when we're, when we're good. We don't need him. But process is a challenge to us. We don't like it. But you can't get the promise without going through the process. And see, we've grown to believe that God's always there for us, and He is, but we think we're supposed to get all these blessings and all of this, but we can't get it without going through Him first. Um, If you will, God will. You've got to draw yourself to Him before He'll draw Himself to you. You find it through the Scriptures time and time again. You know, when you go to God, He's going to come to you. You have to do something first before it's going to come to you. When I align myself with what God's doing, then his blessings will flow through us. But we've got to be in line with the cross and with God's word before that's going to happen. Instead of praying for God to bless what we're doing, maybe we should be doing what God's already blessed. God's already blessed this church beyond means, but none of us are willing to get up and do anything. We want to complain about our kids not having teachers and our kids not having youth leaders, but we're sitting in the pews not doing anything. Sunday after Sunday, and it drives me crazy. It's your alignment with the authority ahead of you that opens doors for you that you yourself cannot open. You can't beat down God's door. It's locked. You have to align yourself with Him. He's the only one that has the keys to the door. (laughs) I might get in trouble for telling this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a, a group of buddies. We, we all decided to go to Conyers and uh, eat for Cinco de Mayo. Well, on our way home, anybody knows Conyers traffic. At 4.30, the Holy Spirit says, I'm out. And he, he tucks tail and runs, and the city goes into chaos. So we're coming down 20, and we're running 50 miles an hour down I-20 back toward Covington. Thinking, Lord, will you please move these people out of the way? This is annoying. So all of a sudden, we're in line, and we're coming back down 20, and this Georgia State Patrol comes flying up beside us. He gets beside me, and I had my window down, and he had his window down, and you know, kind of waved at him, and he says, come on. I said, thank you, Jesus, you answered my prayers. We get behind the state patrol, and we're running 100 miles an hour back to Covington, Georgia, 
So thank you, Jesus. I've always wanted to go fast, and now I'm with the law. Who's got me now? So uh, that was quite an experience. But you know what? It's the same way in church. If we get in line with Jesus, we're skipping through the traffic of life. We're getting in the fast lane, guys, and we're going straight to Him. When we align ourselves with Him, the blessings that are on our timeline are out there, and we're going to them wide open. No stopping, no slowing down, no traffic of life. Guys, this Bible is not a book of destiny. It's a book of decisions. God's in charge of our destiny, but He's put us in charge of our decisions. He's not going to force you to do anything. He's given you the will to do it. And if you don't do it, then, I mean, he's not going to force you to do it. Sometimes he might let you fall on your face, but, you know, you kind of ask for it. Um, John fourteen twelve it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. You know, it's crazy, the world we live in, the technology we have. Jesus preached the gospel fearlessly. And look how many people he led to the Lord on sandals. You know, and I'll bring this example up. Probably a month ago, there was a, a bad boat accident on Lake Jackson. And within an hour, everybody in the whole state of Georgia knew about it. If we can do that about a boat crash, why can we not get on fire for Jesus? We've got the internet. We've got social media. We've got Instagram. We've got Facebook. We've got Snapchat. And we're filling it with junk. Why, why is the world not seeing Jesus through us? It, God doesn't answer email, church. But he does answer an email. When you get on your knees and you pray... For God to answer your prayers. And you play boldly. And you pray intentionally. And you pound the walls of heaven. He's going to listen. He may not answer the way you want him to. But he's going to answer eventually. Quit disqualifying yourselves. Because of the mistakes you've made. Guys. Jesus takes the broken. And he. Fills us. To an extent that I can't even explain. In order to be able to reach the broken. God doesn't take the perfect to reach the broken. Because the perfect are too busy sitting in their pews on Sunday. Thinking they're better than everybody else. And they don't need to go reach them. We have got to realize that we're a broken people. And we need Jesus now more than ever. We, we've got to realize that we, the people of the church. We're supposed to be out telling people about Jesus. I mean, who's going to if we don't? A lost person is not going to go tell everybody about Jesus and he don't even know him. You know, I, I think that as a church, we need to fix our thoughts. Scriptures tell us to fix our thoughts. And you know, I, th- I think we need to fix our thoughts on God and just be amazed at what he'll do through us. My first point, in order to get aligned with God, you've got to think good thoughts. You gotta stop writing yourself off because you feel inadequate. We have to stop getting in this comparison trap of Christianity where we look at him and we say, Oh man, he's got it going on. He's got a good home life. He's got a good business. He's got all this stuff. When really, 
do you know what he really has outside of this church? Because sometimes, guys, the marriage that you're comparing yourself to is the same marriage that the husband and wife are living on different ends of the house because they can't even stand to be around each other, but they're good at faking it at church, and you want to envy them. Stop discounting your own marriage and your own life and your own family and your own job just because you think somebody else has got it better. You never know what they're going through. How many of us write ourselves off because we see what God's doing in someone else's life and saying, I can't do that? Like Mike said, uh, Saturday, I'm flying out to Buchanan, Michigan um, to travel for a year with uh, Life Action Ministries as a children's minister. But I've had so many people come up to me and tell me, dude, that's great, but there's no way. There's no way I would do that. But... You know, and, and I, this has been a struggle for me. I've been back and forth with God on it about the last two years. But who are we to tell God, I'm not doing that. I don't care what you call me. I'm not doing that. Because when you say no to God, that's what you're saying. If he's truly called you to do that, and he's knocking on the door, and he's beating your door down saying, go do this, and you don't do it, you're telling God no. You're telling him you don't need him. He's too, you're too good for him. But why in the world would you allow and make God go to plan B when he's called you to be his plan A? He's called you specifically, and you're turning him down. You're telling him no. Yeah, I don't want no part of it. Our worship team is amazing. But we have a tryout process. Some of y'all bust up in here like, I can sing. You can't sing. God didn't call everybody to sing. God didn't get there by to sing. My mama said I could sing. Your mama lied. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's important to honor our gifts, but we better know what our calling is. Guys, there's a huge difference in gifts and a calling. God can gift us to do anything, but there's certain things that he calls us to. If you don't know the the difference between a gift and a calling, you're going to sell your gift to the highest bidder and prostitute your calling to whoever took the bid. (laughs) gifts are cultivated through practice callings are cultivated through prayer we have to pray and pray intentionally that God would show us what our calling is God help us to be a church that prays God help us to be a church that pounds this altar every Sunday and shakes the walls of heaven with prayers for each other and prayers for our families and prayers for this church and prayers for this community. Guys, this world is a messed up place. But we can't sit around and complain about it if we're not going to do anything about it. If you're not going to do anything about it, just be quiet. We don't need no negativity. The thing that drives me crazy about modern day Christianity when somebody asks you something, and you say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we say, a really churchy thing. And I want to tell you what that really churchy thing is. I'm praying about it. How many of us can literally walk through these doors every week and say, Mike, just ask you, you know, have you, have you thought about what I asked you about? Oh, yeah, Mike, I'm praying about it. You ain't thought about it all week. It's never even crossed your mind. You've already written it off, but you're too darn self-centered to tell him that, but you wanted to look good in front of the church, so you say, oh, I'm praying about it. <coughs> Exodus 14, 14 through 15. Let me turn there real quick. If you got your Bible, turn there with me. 
This is a, an awesome book in Scripture. It says, The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And so, if you kind of you go back through and you look, the story that I'm about to tell you about is where the Lord has called the Israelites out of Egypt, and they're on the banks of the Red Sea, and the army's pursuing them, and they're about to kill them. And the people are crying out, like, why did you bring us here? Why did you bring us here to die? It was better off out there. But how many of us in church do the exact same thing? God calls us somewhere, and as soon as something happens that we don't like, we run from him. We say, I'm tired of this. But guess what, guys? God didn't call us to live a perfect life. Jesus didn't get to live a perfect life. He had to die at the end. He had to take the sin of the world on him. Who are we to think we're better than Jesus? The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. But you know what? As a church, we've accused, we've, <laughs> we've gotten confused with be still and stand still. See, God calls us to be still in our hearts and be relaxed, but he calls us to keep going. We're not supposed to stand still. Some of us have stopped and built a house in a place that we were only supposed to build a tent and keep going. If you will align yourself with God and what he's called you to do, you already have all that you need. You're praying, God, you know, give me this, give me that. God's gifted you with the most precious thing you could ever ask for, and that's direct communication through prayer. We have all that we need already. Prayer is powerful. Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed and it didn't rain. See, Elijah had it figured out. Elijah had his eyes and his thoughts and his focus on Jesus. What would happen if we as a church started praying? Bold, intentional, heaven-shaking prayers. I believe God would answer them. But we've got to start praying first. God has called us to walk through whatever we go through. He may not call you immediately out of it, but it's because he wants to bring you through it, and he wants you to depend on him so that he can show you who he's truly called you to be. Stop praying against the storm, guys. The storm is where we turn our eyes to Jesus and we walk on the water and we grow. <coughs> Second off, you've got to think God thoughts. Don't think you can't get through this. You've got to think God thoughts. Think, and through God, I'm going to get through it. If you want God to do something amazing in your life, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. You've got to start moving. Your perspective, okay. How fast am I going right now? Y'all looking at me like, Mike, I'm crazy. Y'all are like speed of moron. But what you don't understand is if you know the theory in how fast this world's actually moving and how fast our universe is turning, you realize that I'm actually going over 2 million miles an hour. But what you don't realize is through your perspective, I'm not moving. But that's the same thing with God. You're looking at God and saying you're not moving when you don't really see what God's actually doing out there ahead of you because you're not willing to walk down the timeline and get to him. He's already put everything you need out there and he's waiting on you to come to him. (coughs) God operates in a different realm than we operate. What you see is not all that there is. Okay, I'm going to give you an example. There's a timeline you know, God gives us a timeline. We, all, we start at the beginning. We never go backwards. And we're, we're staying on a timeline. But when God gives us something, he puts an assignment on our timeline. 
When we get in line with him, he puts an assignment. And you're walking towards your assignment. But you see something over here that looks good. You step off your timeline. And God has to come get you and say, hey, whoa, come back. And every time you step off your timeline, God has to step out of his room and come get you to bring you back to where he's already called you to be in anyways. He's put it there, and you're complaining about not getting to it, but you're not willing to get on your timeline and go. (coughs) Stop taking the shortcuts. Stop taking the back roads. They're not getting you there. We move one way with age, but emotionally we can get stuck. We've got to stop getting stuck. We've got to put our focus and our eyes and our prayers to the Lord. God doesn't move one way. God doesn't have to go straight. He's forwards, backwards, in and out, up and down. You can't limit God to where he can go. God operates outside of time and space. He doesn't need any of it. God's already provided the answers. We just have to stay on our path and walk into them. Don't stop in the face of pain. Promises on the other side, but you got to go through the pain before you can get to the promise. You got to think grateful thoughts, third of all. Um, there's this old lady, and uh, she just amazing woman of God, you know. She trusted God with all of her heart, and uh, she, she was on a fixed income. She was living in a little apartment building, and she got low on groceries. And she said, God, she said, you are my provider. You are my Jehovah Jireh. I'm low. I don't have any food. She said, I don't have any money, but you are my provider and you always come through. So God, I'm praying you, praying Lord, that you just provide for me. And uh, the, there was an atheist that lived next to her and he says, all right. He thinks he's going to be slick. He says, I'm going to prove to this crazy old lady there is no God. So he goes out to the grocery store and buys a car full of groceries and puts them on her front porch. She opens the door and she says, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, you've provided for me again. And the atheist jumps out and says, what, Jesus, I did it. He, she says, thank you, Jesus, for providing for me and making the devil himself do it. <laughs> so you can't mess with a grateful person, guys. Uh, you, you, ju- you just can't do it. They're going to always find a way to look back to the Lord. They're always going to. you you just can't mess with a grateful person. David was a man after God's own heart. But you know what? I truly believe that the reason David was a man after God's own heart was he was constantly in pursuit of God's heart. He was constantly in pursuit of the Lord. And you know, even through the trials and the struggles and the Everything that he went through, David wrote Psalm 23, and this is one of my favorite passages, so I'm going to read it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, I thought I walked through the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. In this verse, you see a shift. You see a shift in where he's going with this. He goes from, let's see. He goes from he, talking about he, to calling him you. You see, where David's at right now, he's in the valley of the shadow of death. 
But you know what? When we get in the valley, we stop saying he. We stop talking about God, and we start talking to him. Because you know what? When we're in the valley, it's the only time we want anything to do with God. That's the only time we want anything to do with him is when we need him the most. But you know what? He's always there. Always. If you see a shadow, if you're in the valley and you see a shadow, what causes a shadow? Light causes a shadow. So if you're in the valley and you see the shadow, if you push the shadow to the side and you look around, you see the light, you get in line with the light and you follow the light out of the valley and you'll be on the hilltop before you know it. But you've got to follow the light. You know, it talks about Verse 5, you prepare a table for me amongst my enemies. And you know, this is what a lot of people don't understand. When you ask God to go higher and go further, he says, okay, good, there's your enemy. Because God is constantly putting people in our path to make us grow and to make us look to him for advice because we can't beat that person on our own. We would drive them straight to hell. They would bust it wide open because of our flesh. (laughs) God always gives us these kind of people to see how we're going to handle it and to see if we'll turn to him or if we're going to reject him over and over again. David was nobody until Goliath. You know, he was anointed, but he hadn't done anything. See, God put Goliath in David's path and now, anytime you talk about David, everybody knows, well, he's the guy that killed Goliath. But see, guys, it's, it's the people that God puts in our path that we think are a speed bump that really we could be setting an example to them and to believers everywhere about how we should go to them and pray for them and lead them to the Lord. When you see the storm coming, a lot of times we're guilty of trying to convince God no, I, I don't really want to do that. Uh, there, there's no need for that. I, I really don't want to go through this. But when you're walking through the storm, you've got to keep looking. You've got to keep looking to God. You've got to keep your eyes focused on Him. He has a plan. All of a sudden, you've got your enemies in front of you. You're headed to them. They have evil plans, but you know what? God comes over here ahead of you, and he says, okay. He says, I'm going to use something bad, something Satan had planned for bad, and I'm going to use it for good. And you're going to show these people my love and my joy through what you're about to go through. You say, okay, God, you know, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And all of a sudden, your haters, these people that Satan put in front of you to hate you and to say nasty things about you, they become your elevators. God gives them to you, and then they become part of you and you reach out to them and they come back with you and you've brought more people to the Lord and now your blessings in heaven have multiplied. Your haters will become your elevators when you focus on God and let him show you what to do. It's the pain, guys, that gets us through the promise. God doesn't answer email, but he does answer an email. Joe, if you would, um, I just have a feeling, guys, that, you know, the Holy Spirit is moving. And there's some people in here today that need to align themselves back with God. There's some people in here that for the first time need to align themselves with God and need to put their focus and their presence and their whole heart and their life to Him. Give it to Him, guys. 
It's his anyway. Would you stand? Would your head bowed and your eyes closed?